This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel enters neuromorphic realm. And server vendors catch Volta fever. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, joined again with by Michael Feldman. And Michael, this week in HPC, we've got a another new test chip coming into the AI market as Intel is trying its hand with a new test chip for neuromorphic computing. Right. They've uh, actually revealed the at least the code name of this chip. It's Loihi. Um, they've also given a, a, a graphic, a picture of it, of what it looks like. So they've revealed a lot about it, although not a whole lot of detail. They're talking about uh, the basic structure of it with the, the virtual neurons and synapses, as, as we've seen in other neuromorphic chips and the numbers, and a little bit about the background and how it works. Um, beyond that, not much more, except they've talked a lot about where they think it's going to fit into the AI um, application set market. Yeah, in particular, that this is a very low power chip that they envision being off the grid, could be battery powered, and and even bringing up examples like, for example, monitoring uh, your uh, your heart rates or your heart rhythm. So implying that this could be embedded in something like I don't know a pacemaker device uh, in order to uh, to use AI to better control uh, your heart if there's going to be a problem. Now, presumably, if it's uh, you know, an AI thing, it's got to have some kind of internet or cloud connection at some point. So I don't know how that works if it's actually inside your body. But leaving that aside for a second, I think this is more of a an edge chip in terms of AI. It, you know, they're talking about deep learning, but this has got to be more on the inference side, right? Well, yeah, although they do talk about it as if it will do inferencing and uh and learning basically simultaneously. In other words, it's more of a real-time uh, machine learning type of, of operation they're talking about, a, a different sort of model than we're used to with like GPUs and that, where they've sort of siloed the, the, the training into, into one side of it and then the inferencing into another side of it, on, often on different infrastructure. Um, this is more of a continuous type of, of model where you're doing training and you're just sort of updating and inferencing simultaneously. It's a uh, somewhat different way to, to program these, certainly, but a, a different hardware model as well. So it's interesting. Obviously, this is still a research chip. It's not out there. They've, they've, they're just starting to run uh, some, some algorithms on it. Um, and, and the thing it most resembles is what we've talked about in the past with IBM and their True North chip. Again, it's a, a, a neuron synapse uh, virtual chip that does these sort of uh, what, what we now term AI, but uh, very much along those lines. Yeah, with both True North and this new uh, Loihi test chip from Intel, what we have to assume is that you know this is really targeting an application space that's not fully developed yet. You're right that this isn't the traditional training and inference world of deep learning and AI as it exists today. And and in fact, it, it can't be. I, one thing that concerns me is looking at how much investment is going into custom architectures for the AI space or the deep learning space relative to how big is that market actually going to be. You know, deep learning, 
uh, infrastructure last year was you know on the order of about two and a half billion dollars. And even if it doubles year on year for a couple of years, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to eventually make it to be a hundred billion dollar market. All of enterprise computing is not going to become uh, AI, but as it becomes pervasive, starts working its way into more devices, that's not necessarily a separate set of infrastructure, but you might be looking at, can I develop a chip that becomes embedded in something that has AI functionality as part of its as part of its normal capabilities. Yeah, I think that's definitely the hope here. I mean, these chips are looking to be embedded. I mean, I think the True North chip as well, since they they are low power. So I think the Intel and IBM and others are imagining a market where these chips get embedded into everybody's uh, smartphone or other or or other uh, mobile device that people will be carrying around at some point. Just like there's a there's a network chip in everybody's uh, phone now, or or an audio chip. This is going to just be another aspect of that, um, and with that potential, it has a huge market. Everybody has, you know, everybody in the world is going to have one or more of these devices. So it becomes you know a a, a volume market at that point. Now you do have some of the specs, that, some of the details that we have about Loihi in your article on top500.org that came from a blog at Intel. It's 130,000 neurons and 130 million synapses on a 14 nanometer process uh, using a uh, many-core mesh. Now that makes it smaller than the than the True North chip from IBM, right? Well, it's smaller in the sense that there's less neurons and synapses because the IBM True North chips talked about 256 million synapses and uh, a million neurons. That's quite a bit more, but we don't know sort of the implementation of those. So actually, you know, for all we know, Intel could have taken a lot more transistors to build its neurons and synapses. But on paper, yeah, it looks like uh, a, sort of a a lesser chip in that sense, but we don't really know how it's performing or how uh, sort of the internals of these cores are working, so it's hard to determine that. Now, Intel is going to release this to universities or and other research organizations by the end, or not by the end, by uh, 2018, so at that point, maybe people will be able to start do some comparisons to True North. That chip's been out since uh, about 2014, and it's now being studied in various places in universities the department of energy's got uh some versions of it and the and the air force as well so um i think people have a little bit more sense of what that's about but we'll have to wait until next year for this intel chip to get out there and, and get some uh public exposure okay and speaking of new processor architectures that target ai as a as a major segment the New NVIDIA Volta V100 GPUs are also starting to come to market this week in HPC. Well, they're not coming to market this week, but they're being discussed this week in HPC. And what is happening this week in HPC is we're seeing a lot of the server vendors, the OEMs in this space, announcing their support for the V100s. Right. Actually, the V100s have been shipping for a while, but I think all the deployments have been in NVIDIA's own hardware, so the DGX1 systems and their their new workstation, the DGX uh, workstation, I think they call it. Um, but this week they announced that basically all the big OEMs, we're talking about Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, Dell EMC, IBM, Supermicro, and, uh, and then even Lenovo, Huawei, and Inspur are all going to build and support 
uh, V100 accelerated servers of one sort or another. So uh, that covers a lot of territory uh, multinationally and certainly domestically in China. Uh, so that, that covers a lot of ground. So they're going to be widely available. The, the new V100s are, are going to go into the ecosystem and basically anybody will be able to buy one with whatever country you're in. Yeah, it, it is interesting in terms of the breadth of support to the V100. Now, maybe not really a surprise. There's been a lot of uh, energy around these uh, these new Volta chips. And if there was any theory that someone who was a really strong Intel partner might want to shy away from uh, the NVIDIA chips, uh, that seems to have gone away, or at least their safety in numbers and not fearing any retribution from uh, from Intel in terms of supporting all of the other architectures. Uh, we're going to see a, a lot going on here. The other interesting thing that does come out of this is looking at all of the uh, vendors with the Chinese headquarters, uh, you know, your Huawei, Lenovo, uh, Inspur, who are, are also s- signing up for the uh, Volta V100. We were thinking about that in terms of the uh, site-specific export limitations on some of the Intel chips uh, going into NUDT and the other supercomputer sites and wondering whether that would start to affect any of the other uh, chips out there in the market like Volta, but we haven't heard any word about that yet. No, we haven't. It's certainly a possibility. Now, those three uh, Chinese-based vendors, uh, it looks like for the time being, they've all signed up to do basically HGX reference platform implementation. So this is NVIDIA's uh, standard reference platform for building uh, essentially eight GPU boxes for hyperscale uh, companies. So there's not likely to be any particular um, import ban with regard to those hyperscale companies like Baidu and Tencent and Alibaba, although you know, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that that could happen as well. I mean, it's sort of hard to control who's going to be using these V100s once they get into some data center somewhere in some country. So, uh, and these are very powerful uh, uh, chips. I mean, we're talking about double precision floating point of, of seven, uh, seven over seven teraflops, and uh, so the deep learning teraflops are are up over 100. Uh, teraflops just per chip. So uh, these are definitely chips that could be used for different nefarious means that, you know, maybe the U.S. government wouldn't be very happy with. But as of yet, uh, there's no restrictions on these. And it looks like they're going to they're going to be used uh, basically anywhere that these vendors uh, can sell to. One last item we'll come to this week in HPC. We talked on a previous podcast about uh, Cray's deal with Seagate to uh, house the engineers that had been associated with the cluster store storage line. That deal has now been completed. Cray uh, has uh, adopted those engineers, if you will, and you've got a story including an interview with John Howarth of Cray on top500.org. One of the more interesting things about that is that uh, for brand consistency, uh, they're just going to go with that uh, cluster store brand instead of uh, Synexion. Right. I think more people probably know that brand than the Cray Synexion brand. I think that's that's one of that decision. I don't think the underlying system's going to be any different in the sense it'll still be a, a Cray implementation underneath there, and they're and they're still going to sell cluster store to the the other resellers, HPE and Dell and. Uh, and Atos, at least uh, as far as those those vendors want to keep reselling them themselves. So 
Uh, they've made those two commitments, and it, it'll it'll if if Cray basically sells as cluster store, I'm not sure what uh, the other vendors would would think of that. So I'm not sure how that will be going forward. But for the time being, it's sort of business as usual. It's just now that Cray owns the business, they're going to be able to do their own uh, custom work and their own uh, their roadmap for what they think supercomputing storage should should be like. So they're going to have a lot more control and uh, certainly a, a lot more capability to resell these into you know, somewhat different markets. All right, Cray, going forward with cluster store starting now. So that'll wrap up a little bonus story that we had this week in HPC. Thanks a lot, Michael, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.